Hey, welcome to the Lyric House Church podcast. Our mission is to host a house for him. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our live service. Make sure to check out our Facebook page for details about upcoming events and information on our small groups that meet throughout the week. Thank you for being part of our broader community, and we hope you enjoy this podcast. Can I say, for years, I'll tell you today, people in this room don't understand what that scripture means. They think that it's like we're changing, you know, little bit by little bit, little bit by little, little by little, little by little. No, it is drastic. It is suddenly when you believe in God, you are changed from one glory to his glory. When it talks about that, it's talking about, it's talking in Corinthians about, about Moses, and it says we are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so that he could hide the glory of God fading away as it was. He could hide that from everyone else. It says, but we, not like Moses, with unveiled faces, behold as in a mirror the glory of God and are transformed from glory to glory as from the Spirit, the Lord. You know how I know it's not talking about this gradual change? Because there's 15 verses before that verse that talk about if what came with Moses, which was the law, man's works, that if you do good things, God blesses you. If you do bad things, God is judging you and cursing you, right? If you do good things, God is blessing you. If you do bad things, God is judging and cursing you. That is the work of the law. And it says it had glory, It came with glory. So when it says you're taken from one glory to the next glory, it's not a gradual change. You know, I'm just just getting by with Jesus. He knows my heart. I'm trying hard. He knows my heart. I'm just just hoping and praying. I'm struggling. I'm working. No. You might be doing that, but that is not what this verse is talking about. This verse is trying to get us to understand that we have an, an inheritance that's been deposited inside of us, an eternal inheritance that will not fade away. It will not leave you. It will not bankrupt. It will not go out of style. It won't, it won't become unuseful or unfruitful. You have an inheritance from God that's been put inside of you. And it says if, if work, the working of the flesh, if God dealing with man according to the actions and deeds of our flesh had glory... But in this case now, in light of the New Testament, Jesus Christ, the the finished work of the cross, in, in the face of the finished work of the cross, it says what had glory no longer has glory on account of the glory that has greatly surpassed it. If what came had so much glory that the people around Moses couldn't look at him in the face because his face was shining like the sun, and Moses went up and met with God, he saw God. He actually only saw his backside because God said, Moses said, I want to see you. I want to see your face. And God said, you can't see my face. And he's like, oh, come on, man. I want to see your face. Can't you just show me your face? And God's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. It's not that I don't want you to see my face, but the moment you see my face, your flesh will be consumed and you will no longer be on this earth. And and you will see my face, but I don't need you to see my face here. I need you to be here and be my witness and be my prophet and go get my people, right? He's already got his people at this point. He's on Mount Sinai getting the Ten Commandments (laughs) for the second time. 
You know, if Moses would have requested to see the face of God the first time, I don't think he would have had to break the tablets because he would have came down with his face shining like glory. It was the second time he went up after he broke the commandments. And guess what? Moses didn't die. He was taken up into heaven. God took him up into heaven. And Moses is the only man who walked on the earth who broke all Ten Commandments in one moment. <laughs> so no matter what you think you've done wrong, Moses, is, he's beat you. He broke all ten, man. He broke them. I, can you think about this for a moment? Can you imagine you just came off the mountain? Nobody wanted to approach the mountain because the power of God was on this mountain and no one could approach it. And there was a command given that even if an oxen touched the side of the mountain, you had to stone it and kill it because it wasn't worthy to come into the presence of God. It was unclean and not worthy to come into the presence of God. And if it approached the mountain and touched it, you had to kill that even the beast. And the command was so great and so fearful. And the sight of God on this mountain with lightning and thunder and rolling and shaking. It said there were shakings and there was thunders and there was mountains. The cloud of God rested. And it's not this cloud like you think, like a dark storm cloud. Every time the Bible talks about a cloud, there's twice in the Bible that it, it recognizes it's a white cloud. A white cloud. For those of you who are in school, I want you to think cumulonimbus. The biggest, fluffiest white cloud. That's what I think of, right? Except what's crazy is you have this white cloud, and it's boiling. It's like boiling and moving over this, but it's hovering on top of the mountain, and you can't see the top of the mountain because this cloud is covering it and bubbling and brewing and boiling and, and churning, and in the midst of it is lightning. Crash, 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 and boiling and churning and thunder. And it says the literal ground and the mountain itself was trembling and shaking under the weight of the glory of God that was rested on top of this mountain. And, and then God said, come up here. And all of the people said, no. <laughs> and I want to tell you something. I don't think they just said no. They said, heck no. We're in church, guys. Come on. <laughs> he said, they said, heck no. And they said, we will not go up there because it's too terrible. It's just too fearful. This is a God, guys. This is a God. But there was a time that if you approached him in a way that you weren't able to approach him, you died. That was when God dealt with men according to the deeds of their flesh, by your works of your flesh. And there was glory in that. There was glory in that. Moses got chosen. We all want to be chosen, but sometimes we don't weigh the cost. And it says, it talks about someone who gets ready to build. Jesus tells a parable about a man who gets ready to build, and he says, count the cost before. Because there's, you don't want to be like a man who gets ready to build, and after he's laid his foundation, doesn't have enough money to finish the project, and everybody looks and mocks and laughs. I'll let the Holy Spirit apply that to you, but I'm just saying... I'm not trying to make it fearful. What I'm telling you is we're all excited about the call, but you don't understand what the call means. What you are going to have to experience with God to walk in faith. 
There are so few people walking in faith in our churches. There, I can't count on one hand, and give me a little grace here. I don't know every preacher in the world, and I don't know every pastor out there, but I probably know about 500 of them. And I'd say about 400 of them I've met, and another 100 of them I know of by social media or whatever it is, you know, TV. Nobody says TV anymore. TV's still a thing. We watch our streaming stuff on it, remember? <laughs> and I'm not trying to be about how many preachers I know. This breaks my heart, guys. In that many pastors, preachers, leaders, teachers, and I mean this sincerely without judgment, I'm just, it, whatever. Get mad, don't get mad. I'm just going to say it. I can't count on one hand. I can't get five of them that I think actually walk in faith. And I don't mean perfection. I, there's a difference in faith and perfection. In fact, there's people who walk in faith, and if you look at their life, you'll be like, what? They're not doing everything right. They're not crossing the T's and dotting the I's, and I'm holier than they are. It ain't about your works, buddy. I'm about to tell you about a glory that we had and the glory we are in. Amen. And this that I'm sharing is from the Holy Ghost because I came with something different, 100%. And this is what the Lord has for us today, and it is good. Amen? The problem we have is there's so few people walking in faith that you don't understand that when you say yes to God, it means you have to come out of your comfort zone because the appearance is given that when men say yes to God and they follow God, then there's no trouble. Everything seems to be good. They get put on a platform and, and everything seems to be going well in their life, right? And there's this persona put off, this, this thing put off. We're all familiar with social image or so, uh, social media and the image that we portray on social media. We act like this is a new thing. People have been doing this since the creation of time. How come you don't show up to events the same way you look on an average Wednesday if you were sitting at home? I mean, maybe you're like, well, I get up every morning and I do my hair and I get all dolled up and I look great to walk my dog. <laughs> the truth is, if you do that, there's probably some issues we need to talk about, about rejection, self-image, and understanding you are beautiful, to be real about it. We get dolled up to present ourselves to others, right? We recognize this big time in social media. Understand it's been going on with the pastors and the leaders for years and years and years and years. Presenting one face because they don't want you peering into their home. They don't want you peering into their lives. The Bible that I read says lead by example. Do it, and if you ain't doing it, don't ask others to do what you're unwilling to do. How did Jesus teach and lead? Show and tell, or tell and show. It went both ways. The Greek is, you can reverse the Greek, so we say show and tell, the Greek would say tell and show, whatever. That's just me. That's not like, don't, I'm not doing a Greek study here, guys. That was just me. What do I mean? You know what I mean by that. The kingdom of heaven is like this, and then boom, you're healed, boom, you're healed. Come out, demon, come out, demon, boom, you're healed, boom, you're healed. The kingdom of heaven is coming here to you today, and then you walk away. 
Like, well, don't leave me. And then people followed him because they recognized the kingdom of heaven had come near them and everything they'd been seeing since before that time, they didn't want. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't the same. People marveled at his preaching because he preaches like one who has authority with passion, not like the scribes and the Pharisees preach. He lived it in a real way because he is God in the flesh, and he did it. Amen? Our goal is to do it in him, with him, by the power of the Holy Spirit, like he had the power of the Holy Spirit and walk in this world. But I'm just going to be honest with you. There are not many churches or many people who would tell you that you can walk in authority and power in your own life. Why? I am not thinking about any particular churches or preachers or pastors or anything. So if you are, shame on you. It's not me. I'm not, don't put my thoughts in your brain. You know what I'm saying? Or your thoughts in my words. I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but I, I know what I'm trying to say. I don't know how to say it. Because you think it doesn't mean that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm trying to say. So if you think of someone, pray for them. Pray for them from your heart. That their eye would open in this. But the reason is most pastors don't want you to know you can walk in faith because they're threatened if your gifting start to function. Because they're not comfortable and confident with who they are in their Christ, with their God. We don't talk about this enough. I'm not beating churches or beating pastors. I'm saying it's time for us to begin to hold one another accountable to the Word of God and begin to expect our leaders to have some faith not to be perfect and not to walk in perfection because that's the old glory. We have a new glory. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Does that sound familiar to you? If you've read the New Testament at all, it should. But we have this treasure that God's given us in earthen vessels. We're clay pots. You know why? Because we're like crack pots. We crack. We're cracking. The glory leaks out. The anointing leaks out. And we got to go, fill me up, Jesus. Fill me up. So if you're like, I got saved, once saved, always saved, you're, you're a very weak Christian. If you go, I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit 35 years ago, I'm probably going, yep, and you ain't been filled with him since. Because it's not about what you got. It's about who you are and who you have and whose you are. It's not about what happened to you 15 years ago. It's about what's happening to you today. What's happening to you now. Today, as long as it is called today, I will serve the Lord. Amen? Today, I will serve the Lord. Not 15 years ago, I served the Lord. But now I'm not qualified. Why? Because you're identifying to God with the old glory. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I haven't been doing this. Well, thank God for Jesus. You are a prime candidate to get out of your flesh, step into faith, and go, Jesus, I need your help. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't know what I'm doing, Jesus. You tell me what to do, and I'll do it. That's called being called. That's called responding to the call, because you're called. Hayden said, we are called by God. I loved it. I was like, preach it. (laughs) We're called by God. How do you respond to that call? Well, I go to church, and I do this, and I sit down, I go to school. No, you be obedient to the leading of the Spirit. The New Testament is being led by the Spirit. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter brings death, but the Spirit brings life and peace. Being led by the Spirit of God. 
oh man, I just want to get out of this sin. I just want to quit doing this. I just want to quit thinking this stuff. Then quit being led by your flesh and start being led by the Spirit. I know it's easy to say. It's hard to do, but that's your freedom. It's only your life. It's only your peace. It's only your joy. And here's the good news. If you really let go of like your flesh stuff and go, okay, God, I'm going to start being led by the Spirit, then we have to start seeing ourselves according to the Spirit. We have to start identifying ourselves according to the Spirit. The, the truth is we identify more with the flesh than the Spirit. All of us, guys, this isn't like to beat us up. It's easy to identify with the flesh. Here, slap my arm. No, slap it. Slap my arm. You're, you're a little more frisky. Slap my arm. There we go. Ow. You got to meet. Yeah, she's a little onerier. They're both very sweet, but I know I could get a slap from that. So it's easier to be led by the flesh. Why? Because the flesh is what we feel. The spirit takes a spiritual sense to sense the spirit, right? We have a spirit inside of us that, that recognizes the spirit of God. Our spirit bears witness, to his, or his spirit bears witness to our spirit. And there's this process that goes on that takes faith and growth and time. But ever since you've been alive, you've been able to go, ow, that hurts. Ever since you've been alive, you've been able to go, grumble, grumble, I'm hungry, right? We learn how to identify with our flesh in such a way that we actually, we yield to our flesh in every everything, guys. The fight is the, called the fight of faith. Fight the fight of faith. And most people think, well, that's principalities and powers in high places, right? I'm going to fight the fight of faith. I'm not talking, just go with me. I'm not against that. Just listen to me for a second before you get all, what? No, listen. Most people think that when we're talking about this battle, it's principalities and strongholds. Listen, your battle is head high. It's right between your ears. Your battle is right between your ears. It's in your thoughts. It's in your imaginations. It's in here how you see yourself and how you see the Word of God and how you interact with your God. This is the battleground right here because guess what? If you get this right, principalities and powers you'll find have no power or authority over a believer who's connected with an understanding of the glory that's been deposited inside of them by faith in Jesus Christ. That was good, amen. Amen. And the problem is because we don't rightly identify with who we are in Christ, we go to seminars to teach us how to battle spiritually, and in, most of our prayer is done in fear instead of faith. I've been there too. I said, I'm not preaching at you. I said, us, most of our, our, ours. That's an inclusion word. I didn't say yours. Most of your prayers. Well, J.D., come slap me. No, don't. He will. <laughs> it won't be my arm either. He'll be like, whoop pow He'll pick me up and hug me afterwards. He, he loves me, but he'd be, he'd, lo he'd bow. I'm staying on this side of the table. Most of our prayer is done in fear. You know what always cracked me up? I've done it too, guys. Listen, when... I remember catching myself. I'll say I and me, and if you identify with it, you can identify in silence. This is Christian Anonymous in here. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tim. I've been a Christian for a few years now. Hi, Tim. Thank you. I can remember a time when I would want to pray for healing, and somebody would come up and want, need healing, right? And want it. 
I've also discovered this, and I won't side my track, sidetrack myself, but not everyone who needs healing wants it. That was a shocker for me. Not everyone who needs healing wants it. <laughs> that, I won't go down that road, but I'm just telling you, that blew my mind. One example, and that's it on this. The first time, I'll never forget it, the first time somebody said, I want you to pray for me that the pain goes away, but I can't get healed because I'll lose my disability. I said, what? And I wouldn't pray for him, and they were mad at me because I refused to pray for him. I said, I ain't praying for that nonsense. And this was not an older person. This was like a 32-year-old guy. I'm like, why don't I pray that you get radically transformed in your physical body, and you can go get a job and do what God's called you to be, do and be productive, and God can do all this. And I'm not saying anything to you I didn't say to him. And he said, no, nah, I don't want that. I just want the pain to go. And I said, well, you're talking to the wrong guy. And walked away. I was in Bible college, and I was on an internship, and they, he went to the guy who I was interning with and said, I can't believe your intern. He's so terrible. What did he do? He told him what he did, and he looked at him and said, brother, you should have stayed talking to him because you ain't certainly, if you didn't like how he said it, he said it nice. You certainly ain't going to like what I have for you. And he just laid it, and he was an old cowboy breaking cattle and bareback riding and roping and all that. And he used some language that people go, preacher can't talk like that. And yes, he can. And he did. And basically told the fellow, and it was hilarious because he's like, if you didn't like how he said it with his little tender words, you certainly ain't going to like what I got to tell you. Listen here, you little beep, beep, beep. <laughs> Jesus, I ain't got time for this nonsense, and neither do I, you know, whatever. And, it, and you can like it, don't like it. What, I don't know. It just is, okay? It is, just is. It's part of my experience. But I've found since then, that's kind of an extreme case. A lot of people in a lot of areas, just because they need it don't mean they want it. We have something, though, we get to walk in. See, principalities and powers have no authority when you know who you are in Christ. Is there any principality or power greater than Jesus? I heard one person, no, a couple people. Is there any powers or authority or sickness or thing that is greater than Jesus? Maybe I need to preach a different message. <laughs> I need to start talking about who Jesus is and what he did. Is there anything in your life that's greater than Jesus? No. There might be some things that we let come bigger, but here's the thing. In your life, when you pin a Christian down and you get him to go, is, that, is, is Jesus bigger than that? Here's the thing. Everyone who really believes in Jesus, for real, will go, yes, Jesus is bigger. Jesus is greater. Jesus is stronger. Yeah. But then you say, you stand up and speak to it, and they go, I can't. The problem is never, is God enough? It's, am I enough? It's never, is God strong enough? It's, will he use me? I know God can heal, but will he heal me? I know God can deliver, but will he deliver me? 
And this is where the question comes. And then Satan loves to come in here and be like, no, he won't heal or deliver you because you haven't done this right. You said this thing. You thought that bad thing. And you cut that person off in traffic. And then before you know it, Jason would go, thank God for Jesus or something. You know, it's Jesus. He probably just yelled, Jesus, Jesus. I don't need none of that. It ain't about me. It's about him, you know. But if he didn't know who you were pretty soon, here's what I really believe. And I'm going to come back to prayer and how we pray. Here's how we, what we usually do. The enemy comes in and whispers a lie in your mind. Like this. You're not worthy. Hypocrite. Anybody heard that before? I mean, in your heart, in your mind, in your, in your stillness, right? Oh, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell these people, uh, Jesus is amazing. Who do you think you are, you hypocrite? You can't testify for him, right? You're not worthy. Something like that. And you know what we do? He, the devil comes in and he goes, you're not worthy. And many, many Christians go, you're right. And then it's like, I wish I, it's good that I don't have a foam bat with me. Because I feel like it's this, right? The devil comes up with a foam bat and he hits us once. Bam. And I think foam because, you know, it's a bat. It's a real bat. It's got spikes on it. You, whatever. The devil don't use foam. I'm just thinking foam so I can whack somebody with it. The devil comes up and says, you're not worthy, right? You, you with me? It's like taking a bat. The devil comes up and hits the bat, right? JR, act like, JR. JR, brother, how you doing? JD, act like you hit me with a bat and just tell me I'm not worthy. This is what we do, right? Okay, this is what we do. You got to get up now. They can't see you sitting down. All right. Just tell me you're not worthy. I'm going to be like, okay, here we go. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe God. I'm just going to see God move in my family. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have this victory in my life. Oh, yes. You're not worthy. Oh, you're right. You're right. Here, give me. You're right. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I sin. I'm evil. I'm bad. And the devil's left over here going, dang. I think the devil is shocked sometimes at how we can beat the snot out of ourselves. He comes and gives one accusation, and we agree with him instead of confronting him with the word and the truth. We go, you're right. We literally take the bat away from Satan, which is the words he's using to break you and hurt you and deny your identity. And we take the bat from the devil, and we beat the living snot out of ourselves with doubt fear, unbelief. And then we come to church and we go, oh God, why haven't you helped me this week? That just got real, didn't it? I'm not trying to poke at your heart coming to God. Please come to God and cry. But what I'm telling you is you wouldn't have to come into church crying going, God, why didn't you help me if when the devil goes, you're not worthy, you go, ha, ha, <laughs> you dumb, dumb, you just brought a foam bat to a sword fight. It is written. Right? And the devil's like, what? I'm a child of God. I've been bought by the blood. The devil's like, whoa, he takes off running. He's like, I ain't coming with that guy, no bat no more. 
So then he gets friends, tries to get friends. He starts throwing stuff at you, right? The Bible calls them fiery darts. Fiery darts. Flaming arrows of pain. Fiery dart don't get it. Although I don't want a dart, like even a dartboard, like, you know, no. Tink, tink. No, these are like arrows coming to get you. And it says we have, what do we have for that? Who said that? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I like that, man. We have something called the shield of faith. Now, what is your faith in or for? Is it faith in your ability? Their shield's getting real small now. <laughs> is the, your faith in your deeds, in your works, in your ability to pray? Come on now, let's get real for, for spirit-filled Christians. Let's get real. Is your faith in your ability to pray? Is your faith in your ability to quote the right scripture at the right time? Is your faith in your ability to fast or to give or to be faithful? Because we'll go, oh, yeah, my faith isn't in my flesh. My faith isn't in my flesh. But then as believers who are spirit-filled, you begin to put faith in your actions religiously. Have I been going to church? How do I know? Because when you pray and you're not seeing the answers come, you start to go down the same checklist. Have I been reading my Bible? Have I been praying? Have I been worshiping? Have I? Anybody got it? Have I been giving? Have I been sharing my faith? Oh, no. Because once you go down that list, the devil's just up here beating you like beating you because none of us are good enough. Because if you read your Bible for five hours, that voice inside you would say, should have read it for six. And if you've ever been a Christian, anybody in here ever been a Christian? Anybody ever been a Christian and had to believe God for something? then you know what I'm talking is true. And I want you to know you are not alone. Every person in here who is a Christian who has ever believed God has had the same fight, the same battle, the same thing. There's nothing wrong with you. The only thing wrong is that instead of coming at him with the word and our identity, we let his word begin to change our opinions. Why? Because we're, we're so rooted in the flesh. It's what we taste, see, hear, smell, feel, you know, all this stuff. But I remember when my prayers, see, this is what I said before I said all that. I'm back on track. Say, praise the Lord. I remember when I would pray for someone who needed healing. And because I was scared that it wouldn't happen, I wasn't sure if it was going to happen. I thought if I prayed louder, I'd scare the sickness out or something. I mean, my brain was never thinking, I can scare this sickness out. But what would happen is sometimes we pray in passion because we're, we're just feeling passionate. Sometimes we pray in passion to mask our doubt, fear, and unbelief. And only the person praying knows where their heart is, and Jesus knows, right? But what I'm saying is on the outside, everything can sound and look great, but inside, they are panicking, they're doubting, they're worried. And it's, it talks about this in James chapter 1. A double-minded person. A double-minded person. I'm going to pray for you, sister. God's going to heal you, right? In my brain, I'm going, ain't going to work, ain't going to happen. Not going to work, not going to happen. It's double-mindedness. And then in my mouth, I'm saying, in Jesus' name, I command this thing to I'm not making fun of prayer because I prayed like that, believing it and seeing it, right? I'm not, we, you understand what I'm saying though. We'll pray the right scriptures. I'll, I'll quote 15 scriptures. And this is a verse and this verse and this verse. By his stripes it says it, blah, 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 blah. 
I'm not against that. What I'm saying we need to recognize is sometimes we do that to cover up our own fear, our own doubt and intimidation. Am I the only one that's ever been through that? Okay. I'm like, I'll go, I'll get over it and move on. What that comes from, I believe, is from a lack of spending time in his word, in his presence, and letting those seeds grow into fruit in our lives. We're basing our hope and our faith off of what we've seen others do. We've seen others pray this way, so we pray that way. We've heard others say these words, so we say these words. And it's a natural thing, guys. This isn't necessarily bad. It's a natural thing. We learn from one another. But the problem is if you have leaders who aren't walking in faith, then we're emulating them as children. We're emulating actions of not faith, right? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And your faith comes when God speaks to you, breathes on his word, and makes it revelation. It becomes alive, that's where faith comes. From what God has spoken into your heart, that's where faith resists or resides. That's where faith is. I know when I've been studying the Word and God gives me some revelation, when, when, I, when I get out of myself and begin to plug into the Spirit, it began to greatly transform my prayer life. When I begin to understand who Jesus is, what he has done, and who he has made me in Christ, filled with his spirit as a New Testament believer, when I begin to understand who I am, it completely changed my prayer life. When I took classes and read books about how to pray, I prayed a certain way. But when I got in the Word and began to study the Word and I began to pray and seek God and begin to learn the voice of the Spirit, and then this is key, be, was being obedient to the voice of the Spirit. I learn more by when he says, I want you to pray for this person. You go, okay, all right, I'm willing to do this, Lord. That's the first step. I don't know if you realize that or not. Say, okay, I'm willing to do this. You know what the next step usually is? Especially in the beginning? If this is really you, and I don't think this is bad. I know people will say it's bad. I don't think it's bad. This is how I grew up learning how to hear God and, and find his voice. So if it's bad, I would have never known anything. I'm going to say it this way, really bad English. I, I would have known nothing. If it weren't for asking God to make it real. Amen? Seriously. And I've heard a lot of preachers talk about how you can't do that. It's terrible, blah, blah, blah. I've seen Christians like, oh, in fear because oh, I question God. Yes, the best is to not question, hear and obey. But you know what you have to do to hear and obey? You have to recognize his voice. And though we all want to say, oh, I know his voice. Why? Because scripturally Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. So we all want to be sheep. So we all want to say, I hear his voice. So we fake like we can hear it instead of trying to actually hear it. You know why this is? Because there's a lot of reasons, but I think a lot of the 
the core of it is most people have been saved and gone to a church where everybody was faking it. So you just got in the fold <clears throat> and you faked it with everyone. Good news is you can actually hear his voice and come out from among them. My sheep hear my voice and they recognize my voice. And Jesus said they will follow no others. I'm just going to say this little truth and drop it, not expound on it. I've talked about it before. I'll expound it in the future, but I just want to say this. The sheep don't follow the shepherd for what they can do for the shepherd. Think about how much Christian activity in churches is based on what we can do for God. The sheep, which we are, don't follow the shepherd for what the sheep can do for the shepherd. So no matter what you think about this, here's the truth. Jesus is the one who likened us unto sheep and called himself the shepherd. I'm not making this analogy up. Jesus, more than once, called us sheep and the sheep of his pasture. We are his sheep. Amen? Amen? This is an awesome thing. We are the sheep of God. Yes! Everybody say, I'm a sheep. We serve the lion. Jesus was a lamb too, the lion and the lamb. He has both. He's the lion and the lamb, but he, now he's the good shepherd. We are his sheep, and you go, why is this important? Because what I'm about to say is going to mess with you, and it's going to make you wiggle in a religion a little bit, but Jesus made this analogy, not me. The sheep don't follow the shepherd for what they can do for the shepherd. The shepherd doesn't need us to serve him. The sheep follow the shepherd for what the shepherd can do for the sheep. Period. He's their protector. He's their guidance. Everything they need in their life, every single thing they need, the shepherd provides it for them or takes them to where they can, can get it. Every single thing they need, the shepherd leads them, provides it, gets it to them, takes care of them. They don't have to worry about it. If a wolf comes in, it ain't even our job. This will mess with you, but I'm just telling you, it ain't our job to go get all sleeves rolled up and go beat up the devil. He's already defeated. The shepherd has a rod and a staff and when the wolves come in he goes co-wap you know what our problem is we're not obedient i'm going to be real and brutal but we need truth because we are not obedient to the voice of god we find ourselves in places that god never told us to be and the wolves can come and bite and devour because we are not in the fold where we're supposed to be but we serve the good shepherd and when you go ah, ah, because it hurts it's kind of like a sheep cry, right? Yeah. So when you're, when, you're, when you're out of the fold and you're hurting and everything's going on, we literally are crying out to God. He hears, The good shepherd leaves the 99 who are in the fold and listening, obeying, and laying there uncomfortable. He walks away from them, and he goes over the, the lands, and he scours the world, and he looks, and he finds you, and he picks you up. And if he needs to, he takes the staff, and he beats away every wolf. He picks you up, he binds your wounds and mends your cuts, and he carries you back to the fold. And he doesn't even say, you stupid sheep. He says, here, here, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. He binds and mends and heals and then puts back in the flock to be productive with their brothers and sisters. 
This is the God we serve. We're so busy trying to do His part. We have, we have failed to learn our part. I have this phrase that I made up. God gave it to me because I'm not smart enough to come up with this stuff. I got a lot of phrases that God's given me, and I just go, oh, I said this. I said this back in 1997. Yeah, I remember when I first said it because I remember when God said it to me. We can't do his part. We can't do his part. And most of what's going on in church, this is why God spoke it to me, because in that time I was in a place where I was seeing people who loved God with all their heart, but all of their service was heading towards, I'm going to work for God. I'm going to work for God. I hope that communicates what I'm trying to say. We should work for God, but with God under his direction. This was, I don't care what God's telling me to do. This is what I'm going to do for Jesus. And there's a lot that goes with it. Spiritual warfare, all this stuff that was in, tied into all this, and I'm not going into all that. I'm just, that's where I was. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, you can't do my part. I was like, whoa. And I sat there for a minute, chewing on that, getting some understanding what that might mean, because sometimes you think you get it, and you still don't get it, and I'm just chewing on it or whatever. And then he said, and I won't do your part. And I was like, oh, my God. I was talking to him. I said, that's amazingly crazy. Like, and then I began to see how me and so many other people, were, we were trying to do God's part with a right heart, you know, misunderstanding and go, oh, I have this, oh, this and that, and we do this and that. And it's like, no, 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 no. We don't do his part. He does it. But he won't do our part. Sometimes when we're saying, God, where are you? I believe he's saying, I never left. Where are you? And I'll come get you. When you crawl out to me, I'll come get you out of the mess and the brambles and the briars and the, and the threats and the things all around you. I will come get you and rescue you. But we're out there going, where are you? And he's going, why did you leave the fold again? And I feel like to me, he goes, you silly sheep, come here. Stop squeezing through that fence post. Every time you come out here and you get thorns and thistles and you get beaten, and chewed up, and, and, then, and then I gotta come get you and I heal you and bind you up and you get strong and then you go out again and mess with the thistles and thorns, you know? Come on. That's my experience with him, amen? But we're so busy trying to do something for God that we don't, because it's, it's been twisted in a wrong way. Can I just say this? It's been twisted in a wrong way. I'm not talking about money and heaping wealth and riches and all this stuff upon ourselves. I'm not turning this into a, a bless me message with a money gospel and all that stuff. No, I'm not. I'm not. But what I'm telling you is the, the sheep don't serve the shepherd for what the shepherd for what they can do for the shepherd. You don't serve God for what you can do for him. Worship, believe it or not, is not for him. He's not an egotistical guy up there who has to have you say the right words to him. You don't have to have the right words in your prayer. Oh, heavenly divineth Father, I cometh unto thee. It's so funny when we get religion, we pray King James. I've heard so many people get angry that I can't believe they preach the King James Bible. We're in modern times. That language is dead. It was written in the 1500s and the 1600s. And by golly, we should have a modern translation. And then the moment you ask him to pray or they get a word from God, yea, verily, verily, yea, I say, thou art the theest of the those, or the thines, it would be thines, of the thines. 
And we all laugh because we've heard it and maybe said it ourselves. I have myself, I'll tell all of myself, I have done this. Why? Because I've heard other people talk this way. But when we're real with Jesus, is that you don't ever catch me out here, boy, thineth battle at theeth chiefs was, you know, whatever it was. I don't even, don't even know how to talk like that. But you don't hear me out here talking about it. Yea, verily, verily, I say unto thee, would you like a sandwich? <laughs> I mean, we just don't talk like that, you know, but somehow we think there's more impetus to it if we do it. And, and it's fine. I'm not picking on you if you do it. I'm just going to be honest and tell you I might giggle a little bit about it. But you know what? I'll get caught up in the spirit. You might hear me say, yay, verily. I won't say that because I've, I won't say that. But you might hear me say, he, he loveth thee or something. I don't know because I've read a lot of the King James stuff. and It's in my language. Most of my scriptures I have to switch in my brain because I memorize so many in the King James Version. You know, faith cometh not except, you know, I know I said faith. It's the, the, the devil. But I'm talking about faith and I'm not even going to talk about him. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I just misquoted on purpose. I've learned these things in the, in the, in the King James. And my point in that is we serve God. The sheep serve the shepherd for what the shepherd can do for them. We know this at salvation, but somehow we miss this. As we grow and get more mature in the Lord, we lose the truth of the simplicity of the gospel message, which is you didn't have anything to offer him. The divine exchange blows my mind because I'm like, if you want my problems, my mess, my stress, and my junk, and you're going to give me goodness and grace and mercy all the days of my life, talk about the ultimate bad trade. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. You want my pain and sorrows and, and sadnesses and sickness and all this junk, and you're going to give me, you, you're going to take my sick, sad, and sinful and make me healthy, happy, and holy? Done. But somewhere along the line, the enemy came in and got some doctrine that came into us somehow, somewhere, that got us to believe we are now serving the shepherd as sheep for what we can do for the shepherd. And it's the opposite. This is why if you want to grow and learn, you don't need a school or a seminary. You don't need to go somewhere. If God sends you there, be obedient and go. But you don't need to go to some school to learn. I, there's t-shirts about this. It's called the Burning Bush University. Have an encounter with God and be obedient. Let's talk about Moses' obedience. If you're familiar with the story at all, you've, you've heard about Moses in the burning bush, right? There's a bush burning, and Moses sees it and goes, what is this wonder? This bush is burning. Thy bush burneth. But yea is nay consumed. The bush is burning. It didn't burn up. It's just the fire on a bush. That's what that language means, right? So Moses saw it. He walks over there, and I won't go in great detail, but he goes up there, and hears a voice, and it says, take the sandals off your feet because the ground on which you're standing on is holy ground. And I'll never forget in the 80s. We are standing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? On holy ground. 
And I know that, I don't know the words, angels all around. I love the song. Don't get me wrong. I love the song. But that's where it came from when he said, unlace your sandals because you're on holy ground. Moses does. Sees this burning fire and, and, and basically what happens is God calls him and says, I've chosen you to free my people. You're going to go and free my people. You know what Moses does? He goes into Israel. He goes back into Egypt, kills a man, freaks out, runs away in fear and hides for 40 years in the, in the, in the desert. And then God has to call him out of the desert and say, dude, <laughs> I called you to come free my people. I didn't tell you to go murder somebody. We just, oh, God wants me to do it. I'll go do it. He didn't wait for God's plan. He didn't wait for God's way. He heard God call, and he said, I can do this. And this is exactly what I'm talking about we experience. We get, God puts something in our heart, and we don't wait to hear his way, his time, his plan, where, how, when. We just go, got it. I got this, God. I got this part. No, you don't. I don't, we don't, we don't have it. It's his call, it's his plan, it's his power, his anointing. We don't go, oh, I got your anointing. Now I'm going to do it my way. It doesn't work. You got to go, it's your anointing, it's your way. How do you want me to do this? And here's the hard part. It will be in a way you don't want it to be. It will happen in a time when you don't want it to happen, and it'll look like a way you don't want it to look. And you're going to go, God, is that really you? Okay, I'll do this thing, but if it's you... I'm supposed to go pray for this person if it's you. I want, I want a hawk to fly by right now. And a hawk swoops down. You know, I can't do a hawk noise. I don't know what they do. Usually, hey, my family should be proud of me because I stopped what normally comes out. I'll tell on myself. Normally when I say an eagle or a hawk and an eagle swoops down, I go, Caca! And they lose it because they're like, they're like, Dad, I don't think you know what an eagle is. I'm usually like, I'm like, here comes this majestic eagle, and the sun's hitting on it. It's coming down, and Caca! <laughs> it's 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 a black eagle, right? I know, I know. I don't know what an eagle does. It's too majestic. It's like, eh, I can't do it. But but the hawk will fly by, and if you're like me, you don't go. Yes, hallelujah. You go, all right, birds fly by all the time here. Okay, okay, God. Okay, I got it. I saw the bird. But if it's really, really you, make them drop 50 cents on the ground and pick it up. I'm telling you I've done this before. You think I'm joking. And it sounds weird. I was in Walmart. God said, pray for somebody. And I said, if it's you, then I want them to turn around and look at me right now. And they're just like this. They just stop and they turn around and they go, and they looked right at me, and I'm at the far end of the aisle. And, I mean, they just looked and held for, like, a five-second stare. And I'm like, now I'm getting creeped out. Like, <laughs> nobody just locks eyes with you for five seconds at Walmart. You don't know. I'm like, is this my danger senses are going up, you know? Danger, Will Robinson. I'm like, what's happening? And they turn back around and just go about shopping. And I go, okay, 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 God, that was weird. Okay. All right, God. All right. If, but if that's really you, I want them to drop 50 cents on the ground and pick it up. And this, this, this lady, it's a lady, she goes and she's messing with her purse. She turns around and drops 50 cents, two quarters, ting, 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 ting. She goes, oh, goodness. And then I was like, yes, Lord. And I went over there. I went over to pray for her. I ended up seeing God do an awesome thing. We're standing in Walmart and seeing a lady just cry as the Spirit just wrecks her heart and tells her he loves her. What I discovered was God didn't send me to the hardened, hardened, Satan-worshipping, devil-sacrificing. He always sent me to somebody who was a believer who needed encouraged. In the beginning, 
later on, I got to go see some crazy people. But in the beginning, it was always about, I want you to go. And so I go there, and I was like, all right. I'd be like, excuse me. And I looked crazy because I'm all intense looking. You know how it goes, you know. And I'm like, excuse me, ma'am. She's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I know this is going to sound crazy. And you've heard it before because I had to make it up. But I'm a Christian. And I believe in a real God who loves us and he hears us when we pray. That's my starter line. If you ever hear me say that, that is me ramping up the engine, right? That's my faith statement going, here I am, God. He didn't say, go tell her this. He said, go talk to her about me. Okay, Lord, that's a pretty big subject. <laughs> what are we talking about here? You know, financial counseling with the Lord. I mean, what? No, he just said, go talk to her about me. And I'm like, okay, so I'm up there. And here's my faith revving up. I've already agreed. First step, agree. Second step, move. I'm helping you how to hear and follow God, amen? Agree, move. And then whatever it is he told you to do, do it. Excuse me, ma'am. I'm sure my voice was quivering and shaking. It was like, ma'am. You know, I mean, it's all shaky and quivery. And, and then I just told her, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Oh, I believe in a real God who loves us and hears us when we pray. And I've, I believe that God told me to come here and tell you, and every time I say that, I know what I'm supposed to say. And I said, I, I believe that, that I, God told me to come here and tell you, and that lady, I'll never forget, because this is one of the first times I stepped out. And it was basically that, that he loves you, and that he sees you, and you've been rejected by your family members, and your very own family has rejected you because you love God and believe in God, and they won't even invite you over to holiday dinners anymore, but God wants you to know that he loves you, he knows you, and you are on the right path, and he's going to restore and redeem your relationship with your family. That's like the first word, second word, is probably the second word I ever gave anybody. I never gave anybody really. I gave one word before that, and it was very shaky. Like, I kind of feel like God's saying that he loves you. Really, that was my first word, you know, very scared. I feel like God wants me to tell you that I think he loves you. And I didn't even say he loves you. I said, I think he loves you. That's pretty safe, you know. That was my first real word I ever gave anybody. And what I was amazed at is when I finally took the step of faith, and all I had to do was speak the words he gave me, and then I watched this lady literally in Walmart bust down in tears, sobbing tears, and go, you have no idea how much I needed to hear that. She said, before I came into the store, my sister said the most awful things to me that you could imagine. And I cried and prayed in my car, and I said, God, am I doing what's right, and do you really love me? And that was a few years ago, you know. And what I found was being obedient to God is the key. And I'm, I'm wrapping this up. I'm wrapping this up. But I'm just going to say, we get so busy trying to do God's part that we fail to learn our part. Our part is to renew our minds to the Word of God. Renew our minds. Change our thinking. Let the Word of God be planted inside of us. And, and to worship Him. Give Him praise. I mean, there's several things I could say, but I don't want to leave that out. Let the Word be planted in us. Then give Him praise. You remember when I said, when I went and read books about prayer, and then when I got to get in the Word, it changed my prayer life? Let me give you an example of that. Before, all of my prayer was, 
oh, Lord, you are so holy and worthy. You know what I was doing? I was buttering him up. You know what my prayer life was? It was a kid coming to their parent going, oh, Dad, you're so cool. Mom, you're amazing. You're the best mom ever. You're great. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, well, um, I need $15 for this video game. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That was my prayer life with God. I praised him to appease him so that I could ask him for the things that I desired. And if that's where you live today, I want to tell you there is so much more. That is the, I'm not saying stop praying. I'm saying learn of him. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Upon you, Take my burden, right? He'll take ours. He said, take my yoke, for my yoke is easy. Take my burden, for my burden is right. He said, take it and learn of me, for I am gentle. We're not learning of him, right? And we got to learn of him. If you're praying that way, I'm not saying stop. I'm saying learn who he is, because it'll change your prayer life. When I got in the Word and began to understand this, you know what? I quit, I quit coming with my list. Oh, God, I worship you and praise you. Oh, I'm in, a, I'm in the church service. Let's make it real, real. We're in a worship service. The first song is just about me shaking the junk off my life, getting excited, right? This is traditional. You're usually like, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Yeah, boom, 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 boom. Oh, that's to get me excited. Oh, yeah, I'm excited about Jesus now. Okay. And then, then the next song is an introspective song. That's what they're called, introspective. Oh, I'm just not really that good. I'm just not very good. I'm failing. And then I identify with that song. Yeah, I'm not good. I'm failing. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not good. You check out a lot of worship services, and you'll see I'm not joking. First set of songs is to get your flesh excited. The next set is introspective to get you pondering your weakness and your weariness as a human. And then the last song, if you're lucky, the last song will be, now we're going to praise the Lord and worship him. And, and it's built this way on purpose to try to get people excited and off the, the world, think about how they need God, and then to praise him. And, and, I mean, everybody has their opinions on it. I think it's just selling people short because if we did that, we wouldn't have had a service like we did today with worship. And I way prefer that, that we had today, than the scripted schedule stuff, right? And so, what would happen for me in worship, and I know you can identify, is this. And I'm not going long, by the way. It was pretty after when I got it, so I'm almost done. When I would be in worship, and I would deal with all this stuff, and I would pray... And when I felt the anointing, all my prayer was about getting to a place that I could feel his presence for one purpose. Now he's here. Okay, God, I need this and I need that and I need help with this and I need you to do this and I need that. Do you understand? I would worship until I could feel his presence saying all the things I thought were right to say. And when I felt his, anoint, uh, his um, anointing, I'd pounce like a dog on a bone. Okay, God, I need this and this and that. Thank you, thank you, thank you for my, my job, my car, my, my home, my, whatever it is. My family, my friends, my health, whatever. And that was my experience with God in worship. When I got in the Word, what I discovered was He's my shepherd. I'm His sheep. He promises to take care of me and meet my needs. My prayer life changed from trying to get God 
to be happy with me. So he'll give me something to understanding God's already happy with me and he's given me everything I need and I, I've already got it. And he, and then I begin to see he was amazing and I just begin to worship him a lot. I just praise you, God. And it was real now, not to butter him up because he was worthy to be praised. And then I found in my life along the way, my prayer life went from 80% about me, 10% about others, and 10% for God, to God, to 80% about God. I don't know, I'm just throwing numbers out there, and probably 15% for others, and then maybe 5% for me, but my prayers for me even changed. My prayers begin to be things like, Lord, I thank you that you are bringing revelation to me. God, I thank you that I have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. God, I thank you that you're transforming my, my, my thoughts, that I'm not thinking like the world thinks anymore. God, I thank you that you're bringing fire into my life and passion for the Word. Lord, I thank you the Word of God is planted inside of me and it's growing. My prayer life transformed. And when I prayed for myself, it was more about thanking Him for what His Word is doing in me. And then I began to experience it in my life. How? By getting to know who he was. See, we can come to God with one glory, but listen, remember we started with this? What had glory? God working with us according to our actions and our deeds. That had glory, but no longer has any glory on the account of the greatness of the glory that has surpassed it. And what is that? That's Christ in you. Christ in you. His spirit dwelling in you. And what that means is we're transformed from one glory, God working in our flesh and how we operate and act, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. You want another verse? When we are dead in our transgressions, right? Our sins and transgressions. God made us alive together with him, having forgiven all of our sins. And he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and the fullness, the forgiveness of our sins. That's Colossians chapter 1, if you want to go find it later. He delivered us from the dominion of darkness. He delivered us from this dominion where our works and our flesh were being judged and accounted and done this. Why? Because in Christ, he wiped away our sins. When you got born again, you knew this. Who bewitched you? Oh, you foolish Galatians, this one thing I want to know from you. Did you receive the Spirit of God by the workings of the flesh or by faith? If you receive the Spirit of God by faith, are you so foolish to think you're now going to perfect it according to your flesh? Who has bewitched you? It's in Galatians chapter 1. Just go for it. Read it. The Bible, man. It's amazing. He's saying, we know we got born again. It's like, I stink. I'm terrible. I don't have anything good. Jesus, help me. I need you. I want you. Amen? And you go, thank you, Jesus. And he goes, yes, hallelujah. And we were dead in our sins and transgressions. But he made us alive together with him in Christ. The Holy Spirit going, breathing life into us. And then it talks about baptism. We were buried with him in baptism. But we were raised with him through resurrection, right? To walk in newness of life. Walk in newness of life. Not sit and be taught. Walk in newness of life. We were raised to walk in newness of life which means we don't do the same things and approach God the same way anymore. We approach God one way in this glory, but now we've been transformed from this glory to a glory that surpasses it so much and so much greater where now in him we live and move and have our being. If your sins were wiped away, then who lied to you and told you now that you're a believer 
you better be perfect or else God won't do this. It says in Romans chapter 8, it says that God demonstrates his own love towards us. And that while we were still jerks and sinners, Christ died for us. The just for the unjust. The righteous for the unrighteous. It says much more. Much more now that you've been saved by his blood shall you be set free and delivered from the wrath of God through your faith in Jesus Christ. But I'm going to tell you, most churches are preaching, oh, you got saved, now you be holy, be holy as I am holy, and God's mad and he's going to judge you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it gets from you're saved in glory and it puts you back under the law, back under these works, and that's why you're not experiencing the life and the freedom and the power of God because you're back under the law and the works. Get out of that. That's not who you are. The glory has been deposited in Ephesians. Lord, I pray that the eyes of my understanding would be opened and expanded that I could understand what is the surpassing greatness of the riches of the glory of your inheritance that you've deposited in me. The Bible says God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond all that you can think or even imagine according to his power that works in you. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. If you understood that, you get goosebumps and start shaking and quaking. But you're looking at the old glory. Quit looking at the old glory and behold the new glory. That's who you are. You are a new person in the new glory. You too. You're the new person in the new glory. I just had to choose one side or the other. It's not these are more glorious than you're not. I just, for an example, you're in the new glory. We're all in the new glory, amen, in Christ. But you choose you this day whom you will serve. We say these verses, but we fail to understand the impact that they need to have on a daily basis in our lives. As for me and my house, today we will serve the Lord. Amen? This is what it is. And then here's how you learn the Spirit. Here's how you grow. And here's how you go into ministry and do amazing things. It says, they who know their God will be mighty and go on adventures. It says do exploits, but it literally means go on adventures with God. But you need faith because these adventures are the crazy looking sometimes. Crazy looking sometimes. It'll happen in a place that you don't want it to happen at a time that you don't want it to be, and it'll look in a way you don't think it should. I'm just telling you guys from experience. So, but here's how you learn. I've already covered it. I'm going to say it one last time, and then I'll wrap up. I'm done. Hear and obey. You want to learn how to cast out demons? Just start being obedient to God. Get in the Word. Don't study about demons. I'm so passionate about this. You have no idea what I'm holding back right now. Breathe, right? Ah, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ah, no, I'm just kidding. It didn't work. I counted to ten. It didn't work. Why? Oh, wait. One ten. <laughs> I'm joking, but no, I am actually very passionate about this. And I don't care what you think about this. Normally, I I do and throw a little caveat out. I don't. That's how strong I am about this. If you are studying demons, you are in error. We were never taught to study demons. Period. I know Christians who know more about, supposedly know more about demons 
then they can tell me about Jesus. We are believers. We follow Christ. Do you know who, who you are in Christ? You don't need to know the devil's name. He's a liar. What's your name? Bob? He's a liar. The truth ain't in him. Why would you even ask him? Because Jesus one time said, what's your name? Right? And it actually, he just said, who are you in the Greek? He didn't say, what's your name? He said, who are you? Because the guy came and did all this. He said, who are you? And then the demon spoke and said, right, there's kids. I won't make it creepy. We are legion. We are legion, for we are many. I like to do the little with it, but we won't do that. You're welcome. You know what? We need to be more like him. As he did ministry, he encountered people who were hurting, broken, sick, dying, and demonic along the way. And as he went preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, he healed, set free, and manifested the power of God along the way. People are chasing after things we're not supposed to chase after. We're supposed to chase after God. And then be obedient because the spirit, if you're chasing God, will say, go over here. And as you go over here, you're going to say, I don't know how to cast out a demon. And the Holy Spirit will go, don't worry, I do. And they'll manifest a demon in front of you. And then the Holy Spirit will say, cast it out. And you'll say, okay, in Jesus' name, I command you to come out. And the demon will come out. And you're like, what? I didn't have to go to school. I didn't have to get a certification. I didn't have to read books. I just had to be obedient Many of us don't see results because we're not obedient to the leading of the Spirit. We're trying to take the power that we think we've been given and do it on our own time frame in our own way. The sheep don't serve the shepherd, right? But when you're obedient, the shepherd says, go here, go there, go here. And every time in my life I've been obedient to the leading of the Spirit, I've seen fruit. And I don't know about you, but I've spent a lot of times... Hello, madam or sir, at your house who doesn't want to see some stranger on their porch. Let me ask you a question. If you were to die today, do you know where you would go? Slam. Next. I spent lots of times doing stuff like that for little to no fruit. I don't think I ever got any fruit out of it. I've been hundreds of doors. Not once did I get fruit from that. I've also been driving down the road, and the Holy Spirit say, go down the street. True, guys. This is true. Okay. Go to the end and turn right. All right. Where am I supposed to go? That blue house on the end. Okay. Pull in the driveway. Well, God sent me here. Go knock on the door. Hi. I know this is going to sound crazy, but I'm a Christian. <laughs> and I believe in a real God who loves us. And here's us when we pray. And I believe that he told me to come here and, and I always know what to do. And then you minister to him and you hear testimonies. I can't believe God called you. Yeah, I mean, every time, every time, whether it's at Walmart or Quick Trip or in the neighborhood or at church, you can be in church, guys, and the Holy Spirit can speak to you as we're worshiping and go, this brother or sister needs prayer. You have a choice to make because this is a good training ground. You don't have to get up front and go, I need the microphone, I need the microphone. No, come on, man. Just go, okay, yes, Lord, and look over there. Just go over there. Just lay hands on them and pray for them, man. We're in a body here. Step out. Watch what God does. How do you learn and grow? You be obedient to what he leads you to do.
How do you not fulfill the deeds of the flesh? Be obedient to the Spirit. It's so simple. I didn't say it was easy. It's so simple. We complicate it with all these other things because we don't understand the glory that is in us. And then if we start to get an understanding, we get big on our britches and try to make it our glory and we're going to do all that's wrong. Understand who he is and then just be obedient. Understand your sheep being led by your shepherd. And he will take care of you. He will provide for you. He will protect you. And you'll be safe wherever he sends you. Amen? Amen. All right. Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you for this day. I thank you for this awesome time of worship. We thank you for your spirit that has been here with us. You never leave us or forsake us. But God, I thank you for the presence that rested in this house today. Holy Spirit, we honor you. We don't take your presence lightly. We thank you for it. We honor you, and we say you are welcome here always. And in our hearts, in our homes, you are welcome. Lord, help us yield our hearts and our wills to you. That as we get in your word, Lord, I thank you that you reveal yourself to us through your scripture. And the Holy Spirit, I thank you that we can hear your voice. And we will be obedient and act on the things you ask us to do. We thank you for this, and we honor you, and we praise you, and we bless your name, and I bless your people in your name. In Jesus' name, amen.